0: The following resource is brought to you by Real Life Community Church in Richmond, Kentucky. We hope you're both challenged and encouraged by this message from Pastor Chris May. Christianity, as you know, does not hinge on anything else except for what we celebrate on Easter. Our faith does not hinge on unanswered prayers. Our faith does not hinge on church folks. Somebody say, thank you, Jesus. Our faith does not hinge on the behavior of some people who call themselves Christians. Thank the Lord. We've got people all over the world today who are sitting at home and not engaging in the things of God because some Christian has hurt their feelings. But I'm here to tell you today that you, your feelings have been hurt and you normally don't come to church. Listen, I want you to know our faith doesn't hinge on that behavior. Our faith does not hinge on unanswered unanswered questions about life or about God. No, Christianity hinges solely on what we celebrate at Easter. As a matter of fact, if Jesus has not been raised, then let me say it as clearly as I can, we should not be here this morning. We should be on the golf course or on the lake somewhere else but not at church because Christianity is in fact useless if Christ is not raised Paul makes this incredibly incredibly clear in 1 Corinthians chapter 15 and uh, verse 14. He says, If Christ has not been raised, then our preaching is in vain and your faith is in vain. And if Christ has not been raised, your faith is futile and you are still in your sins. Then those who have fallen asleep in Christ, those who have died, they've just perished. There's no hope for them. If in Christ we have hope, in this life only. Get this. We are of all people most to be pitied. Like if Christ is not raised, we ought to feel sorry for one another. But I love verse 20. But in fact, Christ has been raised from the dead. Hallelujah. And Paul, this is the the Apostle Paul pinning these words. Writing to the Church of Corinth, and he was a, a, a non-believer. He he didn't. He was against Christianity. He persecuted Christians. Yet he had an encounter with the resurrected Christ, and he so he so believes. He's so convinced that Jesus is raised that he's willing to stake his life on it. As a matter of fact, he gives his very life for the cause of what we call the gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ. So I'm just here to declare today, Jesus is risen. And as Christians, we have hope because of the resurrection. And Maybe you're here today and you feel, in a sense, hopeless. Perhaps you're at the end of your rope, and I want you to know because of the resurrection, there is hope for you. Not only in this life, but friend, there is hope in the life to come. So we're going to go to John chapter 20. We're going to talk about this hope for a moment. And in the first verses of this chapter, we read that a lady by the name of Mary Magdalene has gone to Jesus' tomb early in the morning only to discover that Jesus is not there. And she is convinced that someone has taken his body. And we're going to pick up now in verse 11. So as is custom in this church, would you stand in honor of the reading of the Word of God? John chapter 20 and verse 11. I'll be reading from the English Standard Version. But Mary stood weeping outside of the tomb. And as she wept, she stooped to look into the tomb. And she saw two angels in white, And supposing him to be the gardener, she said to him, Sir, if you have carried him away, tell me where you have laid him and I'll take him away. And Jesus said to her, Mary, Mary. She turned and said to him in Aramaic, Rabboni, which means teacher. And Jesus said to her, Do not cling to me, for I have not yet ascended to the Father But go to my brothers and say to them, I am ascending to my father and your father, to my God and your God. And Mary Magdalene went and announced to the disciples, I have seen the Lord, and that he had said these things to her. This is the word of the Lord, and you may be seated. Well, I want to quickly lay out three aspects of Mary Magdalene's life, namely her history, secondly, her heart And thirdly, her hope. And the first two aspects are somewhat of an introduction because in order to understand her hope, which is what I really want to talk about, you need to understand her history and her heart. So to begin with, if you're taking notes, we're going to begin by looking at Mary Magdalene's history. Well, her name indicates that she came from the town of Magdala, which is a fishing town off the Sea of Galilee. We know virtually nothing else of her upbringing. We don't know what kind of house she lived in. We know not what her family was like. Many people believe that she was a prostitute before encountering Jesus, but there's really no clear biblical evidence for this. There are some who assume that she's the sinful woman who weeps at the feet of Jesus in Luke chapter 7, but we do not know this to be fact. But we do know that She had her share of issues. And I just want you to know, you're in a church this morning amongst people who have issues. If you feel today uh, kind of isolated because you know your own issues, just understand the person sitting on each side of you, in front of you and behind you, have issues as well. We're real-life community church. The reason we picked the name Real uh, to be in our name, the word Real to be in our name, is because we don't just play church here. We struggle And when we struggle, we say we struggle. So you're in a good place. You're among friends if you feel like you have issues this morning. Mary Magdalene, here's what we know about her. She was a tormented woman before her encounter with Jesus. If you look back to her past in Luke 8-2, it tells us that Jesus cast seven demons out of her. And you think you have issues. We don't know a lot about her experience with these demons, but she certainly would have been an outcast in the community. Maybe you remember the story found in Mark chapter 5 of the demoniac, a man who was possessed with a legion of demons. and He had been uh, cast out of the, the communities and, and just set to, sent to live amongst the tombs, and they had tried to bind him with chains. Nothing could hold him. He had this kind of supernatural demonic power. But he was so miserable. The Bible says that night and day he would cry out amongst the tomb. He was naked and uh, he would sit at night and he would cut himself with stones to try to relieve the pain. And it's interesting in the story that, that the religious people had just cast him out to be among himself. But Jesus runs to him. And I just want you to know if you've ever been kind of ousted by a religious person who says you're too messed up for them, I want you to know to you, that's not the attitude of Jesus. Oh, he runs to the sinner. And here's what happens. Jesus goes to the demoniac in Mark chapter 5, and he doesn't just leave him messed up. No, he cleans him up. One encounter with Jesus, and he goes from this naked, crazy man running around the tombs And the next time the the people see this man, he is clothed, the Bible says, and in his right mind. Oh, how many know Jesus changes lives? I don't know the details of Mary Magdalene's life when she had seven demons, but I think we can safely assume that it probably wasn't the most pleasant life. She must have felt hopeless, but one encounter with Jesus changes everything. Why is it important that we understand Mary's history? Here's why. Because you may think that you have too many issues to even be here this morning. You may look at the person next to you and say, Oh, it's great that that Christ has touched your life in this way, but you don't know where I've been. You don't know where I was yesterday. You don't know what I've done. I was thinking this week and studying that I, I believe that God accentuates really extreme people with lots and lots of issues in the Bible as to say no one is out of His reach. No one is out of His reach. Last week when we were talking about healing and I referred to Matthew chapter 8, it's interesting that Jesus went to a leper who was an outcast amongst the religious. Cleanses him. He went to to the, the Roman, a Gentile who... Was an outcast. Then he went to Peter's mother in law, who was a woman who was an outcast in that day, not given the same respect as a man, the same honor as a man. And I just want you to know Jesus breaks down every social barrier. He runs to those who the elite shun. I'm grateful for that. So today, you may feel like your issues are beyond hope, but I want you to know that Jesus, Jesus can help you. You're not out of His reach. I just believe if God can save and heal and utilize in this magnitude and an outcast woman, I just believe He can reach your heart this morning. Mary Magdalene has a past. She has issues, but that's her history. Let's look secondly at her heart. Let's move to kind of present day. Verse 11, Mary stood weeping outside of the tomb. She wept, she stood to look into the tomb and she saw two angels in white sitting where the body of Jesus had lain, one at the head, one at the feet. And they said to her, Woman, why are you weeping? And she said to them, They've taken away my Lord and I do not know where they have laid Him. Let's look at her life just a little bit more here. After Jesus healed Mary Magdalene, she became a devoted follower. And I I love this because people who are touched in this magnitude by Christ, people who encounter Jesus, they tend to really want to follow Him. And so at this point, she loves Jesus. I mean, she loves Him. She treasures Him above all things. This is not just a religion to her. I mean, her heart is engaged. Her affections are engaged. And oh, I hope it is for you as that way for you as well. You remember that... She had followed him. It was a great part of his ministry. She was present at his mock trial. She saw him beaten. She was present at his crucifixion. And she was there when they laid him in the tomb. And Now we find her weeping because she believes that the body of Jesus has been taken. And she's mortified. And she loves Christ so much that she's willing to get his body herself and bring it back just to see that it's properly taken care of. There was an older lady in our church in Greeley, Colorado, and uh, her husband of many years passed away, and the the funeral was at our church, and then we had the graveside, which was some distance away in a rural part of Colorado, and as was typical of any winter day in Colorado, there was quite a bit of snow, and so it was very interesting. We, We had this long drive, and my pastor was overseeing everything at the graveside and the hearst made it but because of the weather the rest of the funeral staff could not make it and the dolly and the mechanism that lowers uh the the casket down into the grave was not there it was not set up and so the wife is sitting there everybody's freezing snow everywhere pass had not been cleared and so the men get together. My pastor calls everybody together and says, Hey, we've got to find a way to lower the casket down into the grave. And so they get some rope. And, you know, they, they, the men carry the casket over and, and with a rope on each end, the front and the back. Um, men are holding this and they're lowering slowly this casket down into the grave. And this is working well until one of the sides of the rope snaps. The bottom of the casket just plops right into the grave and you could feel the body just shift. And here this poor wife is just looking at this, just absolutely mortified. You know, it's respectful, isn't it, to properly, even though we know that a a body in a grave, that person is really not there, but it's just proper respect and honor to take proper care of a lifeless body. And so Mary Magdalene cares so much about Jesus and wants to make sure his body is properly cared for. And this is the reason I tell you this. I want you to see her heart. Her passion is Jesus. She's forgiven of much and thus she loves much. Jesus is her treasure. Oh, is this not what we talk about all the time? Sometimes I feel we we don't feel the magnitude of, of what Jesus has done for us. Thus, we don't worship Him like He is worthy of. Oh, for us, could we please have the heart of Mary Magdalene. Oh, that we would have this kind of passion for Jesus Christ. It's so interesting to me that those who at one point in their lives seem the furthest away from God often become the most zealous Christians the ones who love Jesus the absolute most. I love it when, when those who are so sinful in this life come and just get wrecked by God and they give their hearts to Jesus and they know what they've been forgiven of. And they're just become, they've become radical followers of Jesus Christ. We need to understand each and every one. I don't care what your upbringing was. You may have never done a drug in your life. You may have never slept around. You may, may have never been a drunk, whatever, but we're all sinners. And Jesus bore our sin, and he ought to be, gosh, not just our religion, friends. He ought to be our treasure. He ought to be, we ought to treasure him above all things. Here's what's interesting. Jesus could have appeared to anyone first. I mean, who would you have appeared to if you had been crucified? The ones who crucified you? The ones who wanted you crucified? Rub it in their face right? But Jesus appears to Mary Magdalene. In spite of her history, this woman is the first person to meet the revealed Jesus Christ. This is incredible. In Hebrews eleven six, 6, it says, Without faith it is impossible to please Him, for whoever would draw near to God must believe that He exists and that, watch this, He rewards those who seek Him. Let me ask, is there anybody out there who's seeking God this morning? He is a rewarder of those who seek him. Mary has a heart for the Lord. She treasures him and Jesus rewards that heart and he appears to her by grace. What an honor. What an honor. This just tells me no matter what your history looks like, you can have a heart changed by God. You can have a heart changed by God. This is what happens to Mary, and it can happen to you. Listen, you come to Him with issues. You come to Him as you are. But listen, He cleans you up. He'll change your heart. It's an incredible thing. He'll give you right standing with the Father. And He'll give you that new heart so that you're able to follow Him, to please Him. It's an incredible thing. No matter what your history looks like, that new heart can be yours. So in the first part of this passage, what's interesting is we see is that we see Mary Magdalene weeping. If Jesus is dead, if His body has been taken, she has reason to weep because she has absolutely no hope. And she is of all people most to be pitied. But graciously Jesus reveals himself to Mary. And here's what happens: Her hope is restored. Her hope is restored. Her sorrow is turned to gladness. Psalm 30 and verse 4 Sing praises to the Lord, O you, his saints, and give thanks to his holy name. For his anger is but for a moment, and his favor for a lifetime. Weeping may tarry for the night, but joy comes in the morning. Mary had been weeping for nights. About the death of her beloved Lord, but her weeping in a moment, because of the resurrection, her weeping is turned to joy. Her sorrow turned to gladness. And you may be sitting here brokenhearted, feeling in agony today, hopeless. And I want you to know because of the resurrection, your sorrow can be turned to joy. And that's not a promise that, you know, come to Jesus today and every little problem in your life is going to be fixed. No. This life is still challenging. But in the midst of it all, Jesus gives us peace beyond anything you could comprehend. He's with us through every trial, every temptation, every struggle. He is with us all the way. Mary experiences this. So let's look at her hope. I want to just point out quickly three elements of her hope. Number one, Mary now has the hope of fellowship. The hope of fellowship. Verse 14, having said this, she turned around and saw Jesus standing, but she did not know that it was Jesus. And Jesus said to her, woman, why are you weeping? Whom are you seeking? Supposing it to be the gardener. Isn't it interesting how we miss Jesus sometimes? She said to him, sir... If you've carried him away, tell me where you've laid him, and I'll take him away. And Jesus said to her, Mary. She turned to him and said in Aramaic, Rabboni, which means teacher. I want you to see this. Jesus calls Mary by name. The risen Christ knows her personally. We have a relational God. This is what I want you to see it's not about religion, it's about relationship. She has fellowship with Jesus. I love good fellowship. Last night, and we we had our dear friends over, pastor friends of ours, um, the fight masters. You guys wave your hands, they're here with us this morning. And uh, they're dear friends, and we sat around and acted goofy and had food together and played crazy games, and it was awesome. How many of you, you just love good fellowship? Matter of fact, right now you may not know this, but I have an office kind of away from church. It's, I call it a mobile office, and uh, it's at Chick-fil-A. Um, and uh, I, I work there about, um, you know, anywhere from two to five hours a week. I've gotten to know the staff. I just act like they're my coworkers, you know, and, uh, you know, talk to them really. I talk to them about ministry and, and life, and, and, uh, but I just, I need that because I'm here alone a lot, and I need fellowship. Anybody else like me? Like, I need to be around people. And as sweet as fellowship with one another is, I want you to know it pales in comparison to what it means to be in fellowship with God. When Jesus died and when he took his last breath, it's interesting that the veil in the temple was ripped, signifying that the world could now have access to the presence of God. On the cross, see, Jesus, yes, he Gave us forgiveness, but it's beyond that. Friends, he became our substitute. We talked about this at our Good Friday service. And remember what he said on the cross? My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? He took on the wrath of God that was owing to us. That's what it means when it says that the Bible says that he became a propitiation. It means he... he absorbed the wrath of God where he felt forsaken and in a moment he felt forsaken the veil is ripped and moments later and because he was forsaken he became our substitute we get access now to the Father. Oh, we ought to praise Jesus for that. And now, listen, we don't need a high priest to go and, and to pray on our behalf or to offer sacrifices on our behalf. No, because the perfect sacrifice has been given. The price has been paid. It is finished. And now Hebrews says we can boldly go to the throne of grace. Hallelujah. Yeah. Hallelujah. That's for every one of us, not just for the preacher. We have access to the Lord's presence. Fellowship with God. In John 10, 27, Jesus says, My sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. And then very, verse 3 is a very close parallel. It says, The sheep hear his voice, and he calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. And because of the resurrection, Mary has the hope of fellowship And that fellowship will never be broken. And isn't it comforting to know that it's not just Mary's name that Jesus knows, but every one of us who are in Christ, he knows our name. Hallelujah. I I love it when I, you know, one of the things I love about Chick-fil-A now is when I walk in, I'm making you hungry and they're closed today. Sorry. That'd be a great Easter meal, right? Chick-fil-A. So I go to Chick-fil-A and when I walk in, they say, hey, Chris. Hey, Chris, when I walk into the uh, little Mediterranean restaurant down here on Main Street, Anna at the cash says, hey, Chris, guys, I eat out too much. I just realized what I'm saying here. <laughs> but I love it. It makes me feel good. It makes me feel like I'm more than just a customer. It makes me feel like I'm valued when somebody calls me by name. Doesn't that feel good? We go out of our way here to try to learn your names. Because we want you to feel valued. You're more than just someone sitting in a pew. But listen, Jesus Christ, King of kings, Lord of lords, knows your name. There, there may be no president or no uh, king or no queen that, that will ever utter your name. But the King of kings and the Lord of lords, he knows your name. Hallelujah. Amen. Not only does she have the hope of fellowship, number two, she has the hope of family In verse 17 it says Jesus said to her do not cling to me for I've not yet ascended to the Father. But go to my brothers. Go to my brothers and say to them I'm ascending to my Father and your Father. Isn't this interesting that Jesus refers to the disciples as brothers. Which implies they're part of the same family as Jesus. This is incredible. Those who have a relationship with Christ have the hope of family john 1 and 12 but to all who did receive him who believed in his name he gave the right to become children of god by jesus proclaiming the words my father here and your father it's implied that those who are in christ are not just part of the fellowship of god but part of the family of god and i don't know what mary magdalene's family was like She didn't seem to be too tied down to him. She just kind of cut ties, follows Jesus. But I know this, she has has an awesome family now. And she's part of the family of God. She has brothers and sisters who are in Christ. And our Heavenly Father as her father. It's incredible, isn't it? No matter what your family is like here on earth. You know, some of you, I've heard your story. You had tragic upbringings. I don't know what that's like. My heart breaks for some of you when I hear your story, but I, I have great hope as well because I want you to know you have a family. If you're in Christ, oh, you have a family beyond all families. You're part of the family of God. And by the way, if you do not have a home church, you're here because it's Easter. I'm not here to berate you or to, 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 to kick you or to say, you know, or to scold you and say, listen... You better, get your, you, know, you better get in church. But I want to say, you better get in church. <laughs> Listen, if you are one of these people who say, well, I believe in God, I love God, but I'm just not in the church. That theology, just so you know, does not fit in the Bible. The New Testament knows nothing of a true believer who's not connected to a local church. And let me just say to you, here's why I'm telling you this. I'm not scolding you. Here's what I'm saying to you. You are missing out on one of the greatest blessings on this earth if you're not plugged into a local church. Oh, are we perfect? No. Are we going to hurt your feelings ever? Probably. Not intentionally. Hopefully. But you may get your feelings hurt. You may not like all the songs we sing. You may not always like the preaching. But it's all right. Thank you for not saying amen to that. It's all right. Listen. The love that you get in a community like this, it's life-changing. And the Lord uses it um, for your protection. He says, brothers in Hebrews, exhort one another daily, lest you be hardened by the deceitfulness of sin, fall away from the living God. And I can tell you, we've had people, part of our church, fall into sin. And without fail, every time, I can promise you, church attendance has dwindled. Going to church, we were talking about this last night, going to church once or twice a month is not regular church attendance. It's just not. So I encourage you, plug in. Again, not scolding you. I'm inviting you. Be part of the family of God. Jesus said this. They'll know you. They'll know you're my disciples. Not by you telling people how much you love me. No, he said by your love one for another. What better place to show it than by being part of a local church? So Mary has the hope of family. Finally, she has the hope of the future Verse, the second part of verse 17, go to my brothers, say to them, I'm ascending to my father, your father, and watch this, my God and your God. My God and your God. Because God is Mary's God and because of Jesus' resurrection, Mary has hope, not just in this life, but for the future. Remember, 1 Corinthians, going back there, chapter 15, verse 19, if in Christ we have hope in this life only, We're of all people most to be pitied. But in fact, Christ has been raised from the dead. If Christ would have stayed in the tomb, Mary's life would have been hopeless again. But God has raised him from the dead. And so Mary's hope and our hope continues. All believers have hope beyond the 80 years or so of this life. That's just tremendous news to me. This life is a drop in the bucket compared to eternity. We've been in our church going through verse by verse uh, the book of First Peter. And I just want to draw your attention, attention to First Peter chapter one and verse three. Blessed be the God and the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, according to his great mercy. He has caused us to be born again. This is God's doing, not ours. He's caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. To an inheritance that's imperishable, undefiled, unfading, kept in heaven for you. Who by God's power are being guarded through the faith for a salvation ready to be revealed in the last time. In this you rejoice. He goes on to say, even though you suffer a little bit in this life, rejoice. There's a heavenly inheritance waiting for you. Oh, Church, we don't talk about the life to come enough. We don't talk enough about the new heavens and new earth. Most of the preaching you hear on television today is about this life. How to be comfortable in this life. Listen, this is not the focus of the New Testament. The, the writers, the, the, the authors of these letters, are the apostles are constantly... Pushing the church to look ahead, to look on, to press on towards the mark of the high calling. It's incredible. This world is tough, but because of the resurrection, we have hope in this life and in the life to come. So I would invite you to stand with me. There was an article in Parade magazine, the story of a self-made Millionaire named Eugene Land, who greatly changed the lives of an entire sixth grade class in East Harlem. Mr. Lang had been asked to speak to a class of 59 sixth graders. What could he say to inspire these students, most of whom would drop out of school? He wondered how he could get. these predominantly African-American and Puerto Rican children, to even look at him, this successful businessman. Scrapping his notes, he decided to speak to them from his heart, and he says, Stay in school, and I'll help pay the college tuition for every single one of you. And at that moment, the lives of these students changed forever. For the first time, hear me, they had hope. One student said this. He said, I had something to look forward to, something waiting for me. It was a golden feeling. And get this, nearly 90% of that class went on to graduate from high school. What a difference it makes when we live a life full of future hope. Let me just ask you today, do you have this kind of hope for the future? I told you that church is important. But hear me, church can't save you. It cannot save you. It was wonderful this morning in church. I, listen, I'll tell you what keeps me as a pastor up at night. It's that many people in our church I don't believe are truly saved. They say they want Christ, but they want to do their own thing. It's, and it's all across, especially the Western world. It's, we call it nominal Christianity. And the verse that just keeps me up it's found in the book of Matthew. And Jesus says, many will say to me, Lord, Lord. And he'll say, turn from me, you doers of iniquity. I never knew you. I can't think of any more tragic words. And the response is, I mean, you look at what Jesus says. We've done many great things in your name, healings and all these things. And Well, I never knew you. See, it's about knowing Jesus. And it's interesting that Jesus says, why do you call me Lord, Lord, and do not the things which I say? It doesn't make sense. He's, if you're going your own way, he's not Lord of your life. And so every week I pray because I'm looking at, at some, it's some who, who listen, by the fruit, it seems like there's a lot of nominal Christianity, not just in this church, but all over. That's a scary feeling, isn't it? Scary thought. And so this morning, first service, we had a man by the name of David who's been in our church for several months. And he had come up before we, anybody else had put a flower on the cross. He came up during the second song this morning. He put, put a rose right in the middle of the cross, and he just bowed down there like this meant something to him. He's prayed, and then at the end of my message, he ran to the front. I mean, as soon as altar call started, he just said, Pastor, he said, I need to be saved. And he wonderfully accepted Jesus Christ. You could see his countenance change, countenance change, different than I've ever seen him. He walked out of this place a different man than he came in. And I would just say to you, maybe you're a skeptic. Maybe you've, been, uh, you've not been a believer. Today is your day. Oh, what a, I can't think of a greater day. And say, Jesus, here I am. The Bible says if you will believe in his death, burial, resurrection, if you will. That is the gospel. If you'll repent of your sins, that means confess it, turn from it, turn to Christ. And you will profess him as Lord not just Savior. Everybody wants him to be Savior. If you'll profess Him as Lord, you can be saved. All who call on the name of the Lord shall be saved. Okay? So if you're a skeptic, you're a, that, this is for you. But perhaps you have come to this church for three years, five years, 20 years. And maybe today the Holy Spirit's revealed to you that, you know what? You're a churchgoer, but you're a nominal Christian. Name only. Christ wants you to know Him. I'm not trying to talk you out of your salvation. I'm not trying to just scare you. Listen, here's what I want you to know. I want resurrection life to be in you today. Today. And so right now, the Bible says none can come to the Father unless He draws them. And we've been praying for you that God would draw you today. So if you feel that tug of the Holy Spirit, you may not know it's the Holy Spirit, I would ask you to come and let's pray today. Maybe you truly, we laid down papers in the cross on on Good Friday that represented sins. Maybe perhaps you truly need to lay that sin down today. Say, Lord, you are truly, Lord, I give it to you. I know the way I'm living is not pleasing to you. I give it. I give it away. Okay, final thing I'll say. Some of you, I've told you, if you're as bad as Mary Magdalene or worse, you can have Christ. But watch this. There are some who feel like because they're not as bad as Mary Magdalene, then I can just get to God my own way. No, there are none righteous, no, not one. You can never earn your way to God. Listen, you look at me up here, don't put me on a pedestal and think I got here any other way by sheer grace. We are saved only by grace through faith in Christ. We all get there by going to the foot of the cross, by dealing at Jesus Christ. We're at His mercy. That's it. None of us get in by good work. So if you've never fallen at the feet of Jesus, and say, Lord, I need to be saved. This is your day. Thank you for listening. If you'd like to know more about how you can have a relationship with Jesus Christ, or if you have questions about our church, you can email us at info at myrealchurch.org.